Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. On this week's episode, we will be discussing the Michigan basketball team, which surged to number four in the country, but recently suffered its first loss. The football team and where it goes after losing to Ohio State again. We'll talk recruiting, bowl outlook, and much, much more. Guys, good to be back with you. A little bit of a longer break between podcast episodes due to Thanksgiving. Hope you both had a good one. It's fantastic. It was good. It was good. When did we record? Was it Tuesday last I week? I believe it was Tuesday. So we're rolling on Here we are on a Thursday. Yes. Lots happened. A lot, lot has happened. happened. How much green bean casserole or broccoli casserole? No, my you? grandma didn't make it this wow. year. I had none. Favorite thing wow. that he was looking forward to, I none. I and I feel like you just copied Aaron and also no. said that was your favorite thing. Yeah, did but I had it? a button. I did, yeah. You I, had mashed, I had a lot of mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes. Okay. Well, sweet, I had sweet potatoes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I ate a lot. It was good. Good. Yeah. I had some leftovers last night, even. And okay. I, I am now, I'm now done for good. Yeah, yeah that's so a week it later. Was very dry at this point. I'm not worried about the dryness. I'm just worried about like I mean like is it still good? food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> oh come on, a week. It's not. It wasn't even a week. It was Wednesday. It was fine. It's fine. All right, all right. But uh, yeah, I just I, I got back from Louisville where I saw Michigan take its first loss again to the number one team in the country. It was not a good night shooting for them. No, but just the experience of, of, of the place. I mean, it's a huge, huge arena. The KFC Yum Center, exclamation point <laughs> included. Um, oh, man. It is a... Uh, it's called Center, at the center. Did Ooh. you get KFC for a, a meal? I did not. Um, I did have I did have chicken. I had fried chicken at some during my trip. Yes, but but, but like the, the, the pregame meal yeah, that they provided you was not, was not KFC. KFC. Right. It was not. It was not. But we can talk. We can talk food and drink because they had is twenty minutes before tip, and there's like nobody at, in their seats. And I'm like, this place is going to be packed. I know it is. What is going on? And there are bars nearby. I mean, it's right. It's right in downtown the arena. I'm like, all right, maybe they're just there later. Right, kind of, they're just going to get there right at tip or whatever. No, it turns out they were there. They were just in the concourse because the entire concourse is just one big bar. I mean, there's like 50 of them, but it's just no matter where you go, it's just bar, 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 bar. They serve alcohol there, obviously, which is, you know, not true of of many college arenas, including Michigan's. Yeah, it was an interesting, you know, so like instead of, say, the, you know, the kiss cam or the dance cam, they have the Bud Light Dilly Dilly cam uh, where they show fans who who have a Bud Light in their hand. And I guess as you know, it's become tradition. It's not just like, hey, here's a fan who has a Bud Light. Let's put him on screen. It's now you're on screen. Chug that bug light. light. Yeah. So, uh, so you can that, buy another one for nine dollars. Yep, exactly. So that that's what <laughs> that's what happened. You know, kind of somewhat of a he could tell there's like some some money along the baseline, you know, along the you know sideline as far as the front row seats, you know, some some wealth there, some bit of an older crowd. So it was kind of kind of interesting. But they liked their basketball there for sure, and they were loud. It was kind of a you know, it wasn't a game where like Louisville was lighting it up either from like three point range or, you know, a bunch of dunks like to get them all, you know, hyped. They just, you know, they kept cheering like with every stop that Louisville piled up. Yeah, Michigan just couldn't couldn't put the ball in the hoop. One of their worst offensive performances in years where they want to look at points. It was their lowest since the infamous, you know, Eastern Michigan game back in twenty fourteen. Field goal percentage, South Carolina game uh, a few years ago. Efficiency, you got to go back even farther than that. Um, so yeah, it was it was bad. I didn't think they really got that many good looks, even that they were just missing. There were some of those, yeah, yeah. but it was just tough. Louisville was, you know, okay. doing some 
I was going to ask you, do you think that the Bahamas tournament, because they play, what, three three yeah. games, three days, do you think that had an effect? Or is it, it was yeah, bad? I think that's probably true. I mean, they wouldn't take that as an excuse. You right. know, right. Juwan, you know, nipped that right away. No excuses, sir, he said to the, to the guy who asked the question, like, right. as soon as that came up. Now, John Teske said, oh, and, you know, in AAU, you play, you know, multiple games in, in the same day and stuff like that. It's like, well, yeah, but. But even um, the environment, too, right? I mean, just looking at the environment in, like, the Bahamas, it just seemed like a much, like, more relaxed environment. Oh, sure. Like, this, everyone's out there just have a good time and not diehard fans. Then you go to a raucous environment like Louisville. I mean, it's, right. it's completely different. Oh, yeah, neutral site versus a true road game. Absolutely. But yeah, having to go on the road after just being away, I mean, yeah, I don't think it was it wasn't ideal timing by any means. But yeah, Louisville was better that day for sure. But, you know, it's college basketball. You can you can take a loss, you know, several of them, still be okay. You know, as long as you you just keep getting better as the season goes. And uh, you know, sometimes those messages, I think, not saying that Michigan was was you know by any means you know reading its its own headlines or buying into the hype. But I think it is always easier in a film session to point out things that went wrong when it when they actually occurred in the loss, mm-hmm. and especially a loss like that, as opposed to when you're winning, you're still making mistakes. You're not playing flawlessly. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how Michigan, uh, you know, does does respond. They, yeah, they it'll be the first time ever game playing after a, a loss under Jawan Howard. Yes, that is true. Um, and it'll be it'll be Friday against Iowa. So you know these two Big Ten games early in the season that you know happened a couple years ago because they played the tournament conference tournament a week earlier because it was in New York then it happened last year because they went to 20 games and now they're, they're still at 20 games so that's how they do it with two you know kind of two in early mid-December Michigan draws Iowa at home and then at Illinois so I think you know very manageable you know two early season uh Big Ten games uh you know the road neither will be easy by any stretch but yeah it's a, a decent draw to start things off so yeah we'll see how we'll see how Michigan responds um Certainly, Louisville. You know, from an X's and O's standpoint, they took things away in Michigan's ball screen action. You know, they know they know who the head of the snake is. It's it's mm-hmm. Xavier Simpson, and they made they made it very difficult for him um, to kind of get get going and get his teammates involved. The ranking, I know they jumped. Yeah, from that was unranked great. Yeah. number four. Was, <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I don't think that's not the largest jump we've ever seen. I don't know. I could be wrong. But yeah. Like, no. It, it's. Uh, I mean, it certainly tied it? for uh, Kansas back in 1989. Wow. Uh, did the same thing. Unranked to number four. Now, exactly where they were as far as receiving votes right. to make it slightly bigger jump. And I, I couldn't find the actual poll, but but yeah, no, that was historic and impressive for sure. Where would you have voted them? Yeah. Where were yeah. you? You think I mean four? You think that's fair? Because some people had number one. I think. Yeah, correct. Yeah, but definitely people had them had them number one. I mean, yeah, I think I think I might have had it had that Louisville Michigan matchup as an, a one two matchup going into it. It's tricky. Like everyone has their own criteria, and I think right. that's what makes it kind of fun. You know, we, we've talked about this before with you, Aaron, with, mm-hmm. with the football poll. You know, early in the season, especially, are you still waiting? kind of last year or what you thought their team would be or do you go strictly on what have you done but even that has flaws okay michigan what have you done well their resume they beat gonzaga and north carolina two top 10 teams well they were only top 10 teams because voters decided they were top 10 teams north carolina's not going to be in the top right and north carolina's now gone and lost games so i mean at the end of the day as far as uh you know the ncaa tournament seating and 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 all that goes you know they have their their quad system you quad one win quad two and, and etc that goes by the end of the season so like yeah michigan might have just gotten a, a, a did you know get a couple quad one wins at the time by beating north carolina and gonzaga and it doesn't go by ap poll it goes by the NCAA's net ranking but mm-hmm. regardless 
you know, if North Carolina were to fall apart, that would drop to a quad two or quad three or whatever. So it, it's it's always changing, and, and you're you're judged by how the team you know did at the at the very end of the year. So yeah. um, you're right. That's very similar to football. I mean, you rank the teams based on what they're doing, and, and perhaps what they early in the year, perhaps what they did last year, or their their the resume from years prior. But like. It, like you said, as the years go, as the season goes on, you have to look back and see how these teams ended up. Like from a football perspective, when they beat Army Week Two, that looked like a good one at the time. Army's like they have what five wins this year, yeah. four or five. Everyone thought Army's gonna be a strong team. They're not. Mm-hmm. So that you have to wait till the end of the season when things shake out, and then you go back and look at oh, how do these teams really end up? Yep, and that's the, that's the subjective right. nature, about, nature about rankings. I mean, you could say a team's in the top ten, but they could fall out by the, the whole rankings by the end of the season. So I mean, it's, you're right. It's it's a it's an interesting thing. Yeah, and I've heard people call because of the way this season has gone to you know abolish preseason poll and, and wait till you know January before you rank the teams because you know as we've mentioned there's been multiple number four number ones and they, they've lost and all this stuff. I mean, I couldn't disagree more. I, mean, yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah. It's still fun to kind of have an idea of where you think teams stand going in. And you know, I've cited this this stat before: the preseason AP college basketball poll um, is more predictive of teams' NCAA tournament success. Then the last poll before the NCAA tournament begins, which kind of blows my mind, but it's mm-hmm. true. Like how you kind of think teams are going to be before you actually see them play the game somehow is, is more accurate. So exhibit A, why you should continue to have the preseason. Yeah, poll, yeah, no, I have, I have no problem with it, and yeah, and then voters proved that they were willing to be flexible. Um, you know, Michigan, prime example. So. Yeah, I guess just you know one other thing I'll just say as far as you know the, the Bahamas games and um, the Louisville game is that you know Franz Wagner is clearly still you know getting into game shape and getting yeah. into getting comfortable I think um, we shooting the ball and things like that. We did, yeah. we did. So he he's, he was you know slotted right into the starting lineup as soon as he was back in the Bahamas, but. You just see you see some highs and, and, and some lows from him. You know, times where he you know he makes an unbelievable play. You know, defensively getting back in transition, blocking a shot, but then fumbling a, a pass on a cut or something like that. Things where he's just a little a little out of sync. But certainly his, you know, he, he kind of knew about it. His shooting coming in, but uh, you know, coaches kind of raved about his passing. You know, and his defense, especially you know even off the ball, kind of just being a high IQ player and we've seen glimpses of those things, but if he can, you know, continue to develop and be the player that, you know, he was before his uh, wrist injury. And I think that'll be big for Michigan because you, know, you saw it, you saw it on in the, in the last Louisville. There are times where teams are taking away your action and it's like, go get me a bucket, man, you know, and they've got, they've got a couple guys that could do that, but to have another one, um, especially out there on the wing at his size, that would be nice for Michigan. So yeah, continue to, to cover them and live.com slash Wolverines. But yeah, let's talk a little, let's talk a little football now too. It's been now, I mean, you know, five days, uh, since, (laughs) since the, the loss in the game to Ohio state. So I, I, can't imagine people are really clamoring for you know x's and o's breakdown in this yeah, game yeah. even if they had won probably not but especially given that <laughs> the way they lost again so i don't know i think i think the bigger thing is like wh- where do they go from here aaron will they ever beat ohio state yeah they'll beat ohio <laughs> state again it might not be anytime soon i think i wrote this after the game but the talent gap is just it's there i mean ohio state has a superior talent None of the recruiting classes haven't all – not every year. The recruiting classes have been relatively close. Ohio State's usually number one in the Big Ten. Michigan's usually number two. But there's, there's a gap there, and I think Ohio State's just done a better job of, A, developing their talent. They have a better scheme. They're just far and away the better team. And it's what we've seen, the last, especially the last two years, these final scores have been very indicative of, of that gap. I mean, Michigan has good talent. They have good players. They've won a lot of games. 
but there, Ohio State is just in another, my opinion, Ohio State's just another sphere at this point. This might be Ohio State's best team, some people are saying, ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got good shots to win the national championship at this point. Some people are saying even if they lose the Big Ten title game on Saturday to Wisconsin, they could still get in the playoff mm-hmm. uh, and probably will. So uh, this is a very good Ohio State team. It take nothing away from them. They have Big Ten offensive, offense and defensive player of the year. So Michigan just they have a lot they have a lot of work to do from a recruiting standpoint. They got to keep going recruiting wise. Uh, they got to develop the guys they have. It'll happen one day. It might not be while Jim Harbaugh is here. It might not be for several years. But of course, yeah, Ohio State will be Michigan. Yeah, I think the telling stat, and I think I saw this a couple of days ago, is that during these past five games where Harbaugh's lost all of them, Michigan's turned the ball over nine times compared to Ohio State's four. Even if that number was even, you can't say that Michigan still would have won one of those games. But, I mean, when you're not as talented and you're turning the ball over more than the other team, it's really hard to win. And that's and that's why big part of to why they're 0-5 against the Buckeyes under Harbaugh. I'm glad you brought that up because we talked about that last week, and I said I said at the time Michigan had to play a near-perfect game. Now, perfect is hard to quantify, like, right. but they could not turn the ball over. They could not make dumb mistakes. They couldn't give up sacks, and they dropped a, dropped a touchdown pass in the end zone. They fumbled the football Jumped in the red off zone. Sides on a Jumped off sides <laughs> on a fourth and four. Those are types of mistakes you can't make against Ohio State because if you do, it gives them the football back again. It gives them good field position. It takes points off the board for you. Against a team like Ohio State, they, they needed everything to go right to have a shot to win, and that's what happened. I mean, they were in it the first quarter and a half. Correct. Two quarters. Yeah, Ohio State didn't play perfect either. No, I mean, they they dropped a touchdown pass, right. so not in the end zone, but a pass that would have been a touchdown. As much uh, credit as Fields was getting for kind of how he played later in that game and you know that throw he made right when he came back from his, his injury, he was kind of finding his footing early in that game. Michigan had a chance. You know, Ohio State was looking very one-dimensional, but they that were, one dimension was extremely no effective. For JK I mean, Dallas. that was the problem. So, you know, there, there were opportunities there, and they, and they couldn't stop him. But I think you're right. I talked to uh, I was talking to a Michigan well, let's call him a Michigan basketball staff member. Um, it was not John Howard, all right? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, before before the, the Louisville game, and uh, he asked if I covered football too, and he was like, you know, geez, Ohio State. He's like, you, you know you know what they, they need to do to beat them? Get better players. <laughs> like, that's what he said because, I mean, in the recruiting rankings, like, they don't lie. Like, it's not an exact science, but it's – it's good. I mean, they're accurate. They're more accurate than not. Yeah. And yeah, Ohio State just more five stars, more depth. You know, if one or two doesn't don't pan out, that's okay. Uh, there's someone else filling in their spot. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Michigan's you know lagging a little bit in, even in that if, regard. And if you are Michigan, even if you when you did a highly regarded class like in 2017, they now have ten guys from they're that gone. class that are gone. So yeah. it's like mm-hmm. you don't sustain that or keep your players and you don't develop them, then it's not going to help you out on the field. Right. No, you're both into both. Again, that uh, that will you know Michigan will not be playing in the Big Ten championship. Uh, they still have not made it there, but they will be playing you know a postseason game, a bowl game. You know where that will be. Well, first of all, allow me to plug our. I guess we've got a little new segment. It's a it's called a headline segment. I think our listeners are, are getting that you know disseminated to them if they follow the the podcast. But if not, you could tell your. Tell your Google machine of some sort. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a Google Home <laughs> Hub, it's called. But I think they, I don't know what they're all, they're not all called that. You can ask it to, to play the, the MY Wolverine Confidential yeah. headlines and, you know, you'll, you'll hear our voices even more. Um, yeah. There's a story up at MY.com slash Wolverines as well. There you go. And well, that leads into one of those headlines. One of those stories is, you know, Michigan's bowl outlook, yeah. um, you know, where they'll end up. 
And yeah, I guess Aaron, can you can you kind of just you know speak to where they might end yeah, up and why? It's a convoluted situation. The bowl situation it's always a fluid because it's the bowl situation is very top down. So right. the playoff will be determined on on Sunday. The rankings will come out. Mm-hmm. You would know the top four, and then the and then after that, the New Year's Six Bowl starts slotting teams because yep. then they have slotted you know right. They know which four are in the playoffs and they can't touch and right. So that that happens, and then you and the other bowls yep. fill out. So Michigan at this point there looks to be. Three options here. I think two are more likely than the other. The third number, third option, third option at this point, I would say, would be the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. Michigan has come up in a couple of bowl projections this week for the Gator Bowl. Um, I think Jerry Palmer, CBS Sports, has him there, and he's pretty reliable. However, the personal last, friend of mine. The, the last few days, things have shifted. San Diego remains a possibility. The Holiday Bowl, I would say, that's number two at this point. If the number one option doesn't work out, and that appears at this point to be the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. Michigan played there in 2016, so it's been a few years since they've been there. Behind the Rose Bowl, it, it would be considered the top Big Ten affiliated bowl game. Because at this point right now, Ohio State looks to be in the playoff. And then you've got either Wisconsin or Penn State going to the Rose Bowl. Because keep in mind, say say Wisconsin does knock off Ohio State on Saturday. We're all assuming here that Ohio State's getting the playoff. But either way, should Wisconsin win the Big Ten Championship, they would get an automatic berth to the Rose Bowl because that's where the Big Ten Champion goes unless they're in the playoff. So if Wisconsin were to do that, they'd get in. If not, Penn State looks to be the favorite right now to go to the Rose Bowl. And if that plays out like it's expected, with Ohio State wins the Big Ten Championship, Penn State gets in the Rose Bowl, then you've got a, a fight on their hands in a way at the Citrus Bowl. Now, Wisconsin could end up at an at-large near Six Bowl like the Cotton Bowl. That's a possibility that's come up a couple of times. If not, Michigan, it could be down to Michigan or Wisconsin for the Citrus Bowl. I, I reached out to Citrus Bowl officials. They confirmed that Michigan is one of several Big Ten teams they're interested in. The Citrus Bowl had a representative at the Ohio State-Michigan game on Saturday, so they, they are seriously interested in Wolverines. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I feel like the Holiday Bowl is the most attractive option to yeah. Michigan. Like and, the, and me, too. Well, right. And, and right. And Okay, we could joke about that, but you also represent. I mean, you're going there as as media, not as a fan, but still, you know, you're you're thinking of it for the same reason that fans would want to go there. And uh, kids don't or people don't want to spend Christmas at Disney World. Well, Michigan's Michigan's knocking that. Like I said, they haven't the headlines. Michigan's been in Florida. They've been to a Florida game four times. That's my. That's my. It's it's getting kind of old, you know. Right. They have not been. When's the last time they've been in California? 1994, I think, was the. uh, Well, okay, in the Holiday Bowl, you're talking about. Yeah, but. California in general, because it's not like they've been making Rose Bowls. Right. I mean, they, their last Rose Bowl was 2007. Is that right? Yeah, so, so, I mean, and have they played a non-conference game there mm-hmm. since? Not that I can remember. Mm-hmm. So, no. I think, you know, they haven't been to California in a while. It's been a while. Um, so, that, that's an opportunity. I mean, it's still warm. you got a lot of alums there. A new opponent, you know, a new conference. If it's USC, I mean, if it's Washington, that which I had seen earlier. Yeah, that's no, kind of strange because that they, they play, you know, they play to start next season without their coach, by the way. It's a yeah, whole, whole yeah, different thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, so USC would be like, all right, the old Rose Bowl kind of matchup in a, in a lesser bowl. But, I mean, I certainly see the appeal of yeah. that. To me, yeah. Alabama versus Michigan sounds oh, like a no doubt. That, that has come <laughs> no, up. That, would be, that would yeah. be something. And keep in mind, I went back and looked at the numbers. You know, uh, Michigan was, like I said, Michigan played in the Citrus Bowl, I think, in 2016 is what I said. To this day, they had that was the most attended game, the Citrus Bowl game since like 2004 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they sold tickets. I think they played, uh, Florida. They played Florida that year. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Florida being an in-state team helps. Mm-hmm. But Michigan's a, is a, a big attraction. It always is. I've said this before, and I'll say sure. this again. A bowl will jump at the opportunity to have Michigan. We saw this two years ago when they got into the Outback Bowl, and the Outback Bowl. 
which is considered a higher tier Big Ten bowl game, chose an eight and four Michigan team over a nine and three Michigan State team. If they have the opportunity here with Wisconsin, I suspect the Citrus Bowl will do the same thing with Michigan. They will take Michigan over Wisconsin. Just from a ticket sales perspective, from a TV ratings perspective, everything. Absolutely. It makes more money. The Bulls are here to make money. And if they're not relegated to take a certain team, they're not going to do it. They're going to take who they want. And yeah, as far as the opponent, Azuka completely agreed playing Alabama or, you know, Auburn. These are teams they haven't played in a a, a, a while either. So that'd be fine. I mean, Florida is the team that I think a lot of Michigan folks have Florida fatigue. You can can be happy that they're not going to play Florida. It doesn't look like it, at least. Absolutely. But okay, that's kind of of the the near future. But the future future, of course, and we touched on with uh, as far as catching up to Ohio State is recruiting. And Ryan, what's the latest there? Uh, yeah, two weeks until early signing day, and right now they have 24 commits in the 2020 class, which has been the case for pretty much all season. I was going to say, they haven't gotten on in a long time. a long time. It's yeah. been a while. Their national rank has fallen a little bit. They're 13 overall in the country, number two in the Big Ten behind Ohio State. So, I mean, not terrible. I mean, you want to be in the top 15, top, yeah. top 10, but no five stars. Uh, the good news is I, I spoke with the Mission Insider analyst Bryce Marich yesterday, and he says it, it's sounding like a lot of these guys are going to sign early. There's only a couple question marks. Um, Nick Patterson is one, and uh, Eamon Dennis, two three-star guys. So, I mean, it's looking like they're going to ink most of these guys. And there's a few more targets that they're they're going hard after. Obviously, the probably the biggest name is C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from California. Had a real breakout season through for almost 4,000 yards, and it's looking like Michigan's putting all their eggs in that basket, especially with uh, J.D. Johnson, their their previous three-star commit, ruled medically ineligible to play football anymore. So, and Stroud's really he's really broken out. Like he just he's getting his offers late. Like all these offers. Yeah, are coming I, I, I spoke with his coach today, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, heading into this year, he was the MVP of the Elite Eleven camp at the opening, and since then, it's just he became a West Coast recruit to a national recruit mm-hmm. almost instantly. And this season, he's only proved to be a high high ranked prospect. He's the second ranked pro style quarterback in the class, so he would be a huge hit for Michigan. There's, Ohio State's after him, too, and, by but the way. Uh, of yeah. course, there's Ohio State, uh, there's Oregon, there's UCLA. So there's other teams that are up there for sure. And he, he holds everything in close. The coach says, yeah, he's, he doesn't announce his top fives. He, he likes to keep everything close to his chest. So he probably won't be signing early. So it might you might have to wait till February, but that's a name to keep an eye on. And let me just jump yeah. in while you're yeah. on the quarterback. You know, we talked about ways Michigan can close the gap and with recruiting. And, you know, your entire class matters, of course. But, uh, you know, I've heard some others, you know, reference the fact that Clemson's true breakthrough moment you know to get to that upper echelon of college football you know was with sean watson and a quarterback a transcendent quarterback can do that for a program you know more so than any other position in any other sport i mean so i'm I'm not saying you could just you know sign a bunch of two stars uh, elsewhere you know your offensive line and, and things like that need to be still very good but if you know you can hit on one of these guys and you know we've seen it with Harbaugh in the past of course he had you know Andrew Luck at Stanford and it's just he hasn't been again, here he That's hasn't done right. it at Michigan this is not a, a you know not breaking news here yeah. it just hasn't happened and he's brought in some transfers that have played really well I mean Shea Patterson's numbers were very good yeah. but there's still 
still another level that you see some other quarterbacks around the country reach that Michigan's haven't. You're right, and, and I think Harbaugh's most successful quarterbacks here, Rudock and Patterson, were both transfers. Yeah. You had one or two years Limited to kind of years, build yeah. around mm-hmm. him, and there wasn't that guy you could nurture and, and move up the ranks, so to speak. Right, um, and maybe bring in other recruits with them. With I mean, yeah. Kind of, yeah. So, so I think that's what they're trying to do with with in the 2021 class with five star JJ McCarthy, yeah. having him trying to recruit as well and and build up that class. He but might be I, that guy, but yeah. again, yeah. still two years on the row. Like mm-hmm. Michigan, they need this should have happened like two years ago. You know, <laughs> sure. So that's not going. Harbaugh and recruiting and else. Anyway, I'll let you get back yeah. to your recruiting spiel. Yeah, yeah. A few, and another big target is one of Stroud's good friends, uh, Dorian Green Warren from California as well. He's a four-star, the 13th ranked cornerback in the class. They will both be visiting Michigan this weekend. I'm sure Michigan will, will roll out the red carpet for both of them. And then uh, another big name is, is Theo Johnson, the third ranked tight end in the class, top 100 player overall, pushing hard for him. It's Basically, between him, or Michigan, Penn State's also there as well. So we'll see what happens with him. I've been told that he will likely sign and enroll early, too, wherever he goes. So it, there's probably going to be news with him coming in the next couple of weeks. So those are the – they're looking to add another offensive lineman. Not any huge big names there, but they have four in the class already looking to, to add another. And the early signing period begins December 18th, 18th right? Yes, yeah. There's a three-day period. I think it's 18th, 20th. 19th, and 20th, 20th yeah. yeah. Most kids will ink on the 18th yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Well, yes, something to look for, for sure. Yeah. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review on iTunes. Please share any feedback you might have. And find your Google machines and listen to us there as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>